Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Everything came crashing down. I, I lost everything. And so um, when I was sentenced to prison, you, you know, I was scared to death. I had never been in trouble in my entire life. Um, I, I think probably my greatest infraction was a speeding ticket. And so um, the great unknown, uh, obviously, was prison. Today on Life Support, a story of incarceration and a story of hope. Paul's guest is David Johnson. David was a business executive who thought he had it all, and then his world crumbled. And now he is able to share the struggles facing every incarcerated individual facing re-entry into society. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. All we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, it's great to have you here on Life Support. What we do in this program is we tell stories of how God has entered into people's lives. And uh, it's it's an amazing journey to listen to those that God has touched in, in very unique ways. I'm also really uh, touched by the bravery of those who come and join us and tell their stories. And we've got a, a very unique story to tell you today. Um, and I think it's it's one that's going to um, inspire you and also help you understand some of the difficulties that are out there. Uh, David Johnson is my guest, and it's so great to have you here. Thanks for dropping by. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, you're a you're a Twin Cities guy, are you not? That's correct. I was born and raised in uh, the Twin Cities in St. Paul. Um, so born and raised St. Paulite. A St. Paulite, <laughs> yes. There's so many Minneapolisites. It's good to meet a St. Paulite uh, as well. And for those of you who don't live in this area, the, there's a little bit of a rivalry between Minneapolis and St. Paul, kind of the big brother and the little brother. <laughs> that is uh, so true. It goes back and forth. Um, David, you were um, a very successful uh, businessman. Uh, you had uh, a very high-profile job, and uh, then things started to kind of go awry. Why don't you tell us kind of just start where you want to and, and just kind of tell us the journey that you've been on. Sure. Um, I think the journey really starts um, much earlier than um, where I was at in my particular uh, career. Um, I was born in a middle-class family, and Pastor Paul, I wish I could tell you that I had all these challenges in life, and I had to uh, overcome obstacles, and, and you know, I wasn't successful, and that's why I landed where I landed. But the truth is, I was raised well. Um, I didn't face many obstacles at all. Um, my family was raised in the church. My mother and, and grandmother were very active in the church. I was raised in an extended family, so I was raised by my mother and grandmother and grandfather. Um, church uh, was not only expected, it was required. Um, but my involvement in church was really on the outside. I, I, I went to church. I was confirmed. Um, but I, I couldn't tell you Old Testament from New Testament. You might as well have been speaking German to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I was really on the outside. I was doing you know, whatever my mother and grandmother wanted me to do and expected me to do, but I was not engaged whatsoever. Um, As I turned 18, I drifted even further away from church. I moved out of the house. Um, You know, the only time I was in church was maybe at a wedding or a funeral or on Christmas and Easter. So I was a priester. 
um, my focus was really on um, education and getting a, a, a job, having a career, and that's really where I spent all of my time. Um, I went to undergrad here in the cities. Um, I received my master's here in the cities, and I worked for an organization for almost 30 years and moved my way all the way up to um, – I held, held a title as vice president. And um, on the outside, if you were to look at me, um, I probably seemed cool and collected and, um, and happy, uh, but on the inside, that was completely opposite. I was a mess. Um, I had anxiety. I worried a lot. Um, I was afraid to let people get close to me. Um, I didn't really want them to see the true me, which was filled with um, envy. I, I had a lot of things in life. My mother and grandmother provided for me. I, I had nothing that I wanted, but, but yet I was still not happy. I wanted more. Uh, I wanted more material items. I saw what other people had, and for whatever reason, I thought I needed that too. Mm-hmm. And so my, my, my life was um, pretty empty. Um, despite the fact of having a, a family, I was married, I had a great job, I, I was really empty inside. You had the American dream. I had the American dream. Um, I didn't face adversity in my life, although yeah. I, I have to tell you I admired people who did. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have to overcome anything. So my story started off as pretty easy. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of challenges in my life. I didn't have to get up off my feet and, and start anew or do a course correct. Everything was pretty much there for me. Um, that, I think, is when I hit my peak, I think, is when I started to, you know, stumble. Um, I engaged in uh, activity that was not illegal or was not legal, I should say. Um, I um, committed a theft from my job, um, all self-inflicted, so no one else's fault but my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I lost my job. Um, I lost my family. Um, I lost friends. Uh, people that I was close to um, all of a sudden were gone. Um, I was embarrassed. I certainly was alone and lonely. And that's when um, a friend of mine reached out to me. Um, he was my uh, old high school basketball coach. Um, and it was, it was strange. It wasn't a coach-player kind of traditional relationship. Um, I think it was his first job. So literally, we were 17 and 18, and he was 23, 24. And so the age, we were really close in age. And so we had a special kind of relationship. I admired him so much that it would hurt me not only if I failed on the court, but if I failed outside mm-hmm. of life as well, outside of the court. And um, he reached out to me. I, he found out about my struggles, um, and he reached out to me. W- we had seen each other. We were in a fantasy football league together, so we'd come together at drafts yearly or have a lunch or two every so often. Um, but we really didn't connect, partly because I was keeping people at bay, um, you know, embarrassed of my, my frailties. And he reached out to me in a non-judgmental kind of way that put me at ease. And he just talked about, first of all, just how are you doing? What can I do to help you? Um, Then it moved on to, hey, you know, I got something for you. Maybe a a different way to look at the world, a different way to kind of live your life. Um, And that's when he introduced me to Eagle Brook Church. And we started attending church uh, together. And after church, we would get together together for lunch and just talk about 
the lessons, talk about the learnings. And one day, um, after maybe a month or two um, of going to church with him at Eagle Brook, um, I decided to uh, accept Christ into my life again. And um, it, it was amazing. It was a sunny day, and the sun was bright. But I realized it was a different kind of light that I was feeling. It was the power, uh, the light, the light that was um, getting w- uh, rid of the darkness. It was the light of God. And I'll never forget that day, May 6, 2018, and that's when I accepted Christ into my life. Wow. Not very long ago. Not very it's long ago. A, a new journey for you. Um, so we're taught from the time we were little kids here in America that the American dream is, that's what that's what it's all about, man. Like if we can, you know, you get your job, you get your house, you get your two cars, and you live happily ever after. But you did that, and you were still empty on the inside. Did that surprise you that... You looked around and said, I've got all this and I'm still struggling? It did. You know, that's a great question. It it did. It struck me. I thought, here I have everything that anybody else would would want. Um, I had the car. I had the house. I had the family. I had a great job. I had great friends. But yet I still felt empty. Um, I I wasn't happy. And that surprised me because I worked so hard for many years uh, to get to this point and I still wasn't happy. I, I was empty. And I think if I would have told people that at that time, they would have been in shock. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, on the outside, I looked like a pretty happy-go-lucky guy, successful guy. On the inside, I was a mess. Um, and it's, it's funny. You know, sometimes I, you, know, you have these little bumps in the road, but nothing major for me. And, and, um, and mostly great times. And people would say to me, you know, sometimes you forget God when things are going good. Yeah. For me at that time, I, I didn't know him to forget him. Yeah. Um, God was completely out of my life, and I was completely empty. More from Pastor Paul and David in just a moment. This is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, a co-presenter of this program. And we are honored to introduce to you a brand new video curriculum series called Caring for Mental Health. This 10-part series is available at no cost and is designed to help you and others come alongside those who are struggling with mental health. If you'd like to learn more, go to lifesupportresources.org, lifesupportresources.org. And now back to Pastor Paul. You know, you have these little bumps in the road, but nothing major for me, and and um, and mostly great times. And people would say to me, you know, sometimes you forget God when things are going good. Yeah. For me at that time, I, I didn't know him to forget him. Yeah. Um, God was completely out of my life, and I was completely empty. Mm. Well, you um, have certainly been able to tell your story, and, and now you've got a great story to tell. But I am intrigued by that idea of how you kept people away from you. Um, it's exhausting, isn't it, to try to live these two different kind of lives in front of people? It is exhausting, and I think that's where I received, uh, where I, I felt um, great anxiety. Um, I didn't know which way was up. And yeah. so, um, you know, I was fiercely independent. I felt like if there were any problems, I, I, I'd solve them on my own. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I, I think I probably thought, if you have to pray, you must be weak. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have to ha- ask for help, you must be weak. And so, um, obviously, my life was completely distorted, um, and I was completely going down the wrong path. And it was exhausting. 
um, you might find this interesting or funny, um, but almost when I went to prison, I started to feel some kind of of relief, Mm -hmm. Um, like there was a Mm -hmm. load off my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And um, in the midst of all the chaos, I I felt free, Mm -hmm. whereas on the outside, I felt like I was in prison. So it was kind of ironic. Yeah, I can understand that. You know, you had spent so much time uh, trying to convince yourself and others that you're this kind of uh, altogether person, but now you don't have to pretend anymore. Right. And you're just dealing with reality, which is which is freeing because now you're living in truth, right? Right. That's exactly yeah. right. You said it much better than I uh, could have, but that's exactly what was going on. It was so ironic that in prison I felt free. Outside of prison I felt like I was incarcerated. Yeah. So tell me about that journey from uh, the time that you uh, stole this uh, stole this money and then the time that you're in prison. What, what was that journey like? Through that whole period of your life, I mean, everything came crashing down. I would assume, all around you, everything came crashing down. I, I lost everything, and so um, when I was sentenced to prison, you, you know, I was scared to death. I had never been in trouble in my entire life. Um, I, I think probably my greatest infraction was a speeding ticket, mm-hmm. and so um, the great unknown uh, obviously was prison. And um, what kept me strong was certainly my faith. Um, connecting with Brian uh, Hexeth and Eaglebrook Church kept me going, but there was this unknown out there, and I was fearful. Um, when I got to, to prison, um, um, I, I was looking for that, that faith community that I could find. Um, but initially, it was just survival mold. Um, you, you, everyone goes to the same location uh, for orientation uh, when, you're, uh, when you go to prison, and that's in St. Cloud. And I, I think literally every single moment of every single day, I feared for, for, for my life every day. Um, I think um, that location is just like any other movie that you've ever seen about prison. Um, and um, during that orientation process, you don't have a lot of freedom. Not that you get great freedom in prison, but you had even less there. And so I was kind of left alone to my own thoughts. And so I did a lot of prayer on my own. Um, I was thankful and grateful that I had um, a cellmate that was also uh, a member of, uh, of the community of Christ, and we would pray together. Mm. Um, what and a gift that is. That was a great wow. gift because of all the people you could uh, be cellmates with, you know, I, can't, I couldn't even imagine some of the other possibilities. And so he and I connected right off the bat. Um, it was an interesting time during that time in that there was some violence going on in the prisons um, I think one of the correctional officers was attacked and I think mm-hmm. ultimately died. Mm-hmm. And so all movements were restricted. So you really pretty much just stayed right in your cell and, and never got out. Um, and like I said, the only thing that saved me at that time w- was him. Um, mm-hmm. I had someone that I could connect with and have fellowship with. Um, I was there for a couple of months um, and then I was transferred to another uh, location, a minimum security facility. Um, the idea there was that I was going to go to a, a program. It's called boot camp. And, uh, you know, successful completion of boot camp would mean that I would get out early. And um, unfortunately, while I was there um, exercising and working out to prepare for boot camp, I hurt my knee. And um, later on, I discovered that I tore my meniscus mm-hmm. and fractured my kneecap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I suffered through that injury because I, I – 
you weren't going to get medical attention, so you were just going to have to uh, deal with the pain. Uh, but I did find a faith group, um, and so um, that was a, a better surprise and a bigger bonus for me. And so my my faith group, which was one, expanded to about 20 or 25 individuals uh, that came together on a weekly basis. And so that always helped me get through those trying times is just having that faith community that we could come together, share and exchange yeah. and, and pray together. Um, eventually, though, when, um, it, I, you know, I couldn't obviously participate in boot camp, I was transferred to another facility. And um, transferring is always a, a stressful time because you don't get any notice. Uh, you're told often the night before or hours p- before that sh- you're moving. Um, you're cut off from the outside, so your family doesn't even know that you're moving. So mm-hmm. it takes several days for you to be able to connect with them. So where I got, when I got to this last facility, um, I was walking around, checking out my surroundings, and I, and I found that um, there was a Bible study class at night. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm going to go here. You know, I missed my group from uh, my last facility. I'll, I'll discover a new group here. And, and what a surprise to find out that the Bible study group was led by Eagle Brook. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like um, I came home. Yeah. Um, you know, I know there's that saying, you can never come home again. Yeah. But I came home. Yeah. Um, and, and so um, that made the rest of my time much easier, knowing that Eagle Brook was here and I found another faith, faith community that I could connect with. So all of this time, God was still involving yourself. And I think what people that haven't been through these things don't understand is that um, God does unique work. Um, my wife and I, because of some things that have happened to my f- family, we had a chance to speak at the Faribault facility here in Minnesota. Yeah. And um, they they actually put the the guys who were in for murder in the front couple of rows because yeah. we were tel- talking to them about victim um, and, you know, reconciliation type of issues. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and several of them came up afterwards and, and said, Wow, you know, like, uh, thank you for this. How can you know? How can we do this? And I got to tell you, like, one guy said, "I've never been so fulfilled. <laughs> like, uh, God's using me in amazing ways." Yeah. And it wasn't like this kind of fake, like I'm just making the best of it. Like, God was uniquely working in these people's lives. Mm-hmm. And did you find that to be the case in your life as well? Oh, definitely. When when I started there um, at um, I was at Stillwater Minimum Security uh, uh, Security Prison. I think maybe we had four or five or a handful of people that were attending uh, Bible study. I think by the time I left, that number grew to, you know, 15, 20, 25 people. And um, it was interesting while we were sitting there, um, you would see people poking in the window to find out oh. what's going on. What, do you, what, what's, what, are you to, what are you people up to in there? Mm-hmm. And I, I learned quickly that you bring people to God by your actions. Mm-hmm. And, and people saw that we were getting something, that we were feeling fulfilled, that we were happy. Despite all that was going on and where we were, yeah. we were happy. Um, we, we had laughter in the room. Um, we uh, shook each other's hands. We were hugging. Uh, we were uh, seeing powerful um, services on TV, and people wanted to get some of what we had. And, and so um, we did feel fulfilled. And as I mentioned before, I, I felt so at ease. I felt at home. I felt free for the first time. 
Um, so much so that we started our own Bible group outside of Eagle Brook. So we were meeting on our own outside of mm-hmm. our Tuesday night Bible study meetings. And we were getting tables full of people. And what was really fun about that and fulfilling is early on there was a handful of us that were kind of leading Bible study. Eventually, people started coming up saying, hey, I have a topic. I want to lead next week. Oh, wow. And so it just mm-hmm. it just grew. And then people taking different leadership roles, I don't think I ever felt prouder. I thought about my work and some of the things that we accomplished there. This was far more fulfilling, mm-hmm. uh, far more fulfilling. That message in itself is uh, is worth hearing. Um, we we don't have a lot of time left in this segment, but I do want to um, talk to you next time about reentry because I know that's sure. tough, and I don't think people understand that too much either. But you ran into Lifeblood Curriculum, which is something that Five Stone Media um, puts out and, and publishes. What did Lifeblood Curriculum do for you? How did that help you in this process? Well, it helped me put key pieces of of items into my life that uh, provided hope for the future. Um, Lifeblood was amazing. Um, We saw stories from other inmates that had similar situations to yourself. And as you're watching these powerful stories and then subsequently our powerful discussions afterwards, um, you looked at individuals and you thought, well, if they can do it, maybe I can too. Mm -hmm. And if they can get a second chance or chances, maybe I could get that too. And so each week we had a different topic. It was, you know, on family and influence, hope, uh, power, uh, loyalty, doing the right thing, uh, self-reliance, which was a big one for me, second chances and transformation. And so each uh, had a different theme that um, brought hope into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, the stories were dramatic, and y- you you found yourself thinking, I'm not alone. And for me, I realized... Um, I can't do this alone. Um, I, I need help. Um, I need help from um, from God and from others in order to have any chance for success in the future. Did you find that um, hope is a big problem there? Yeah. Um, yeah. People had lost their hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even I, I, you know, I'd have good days and, and then I'd have days that weren't quite as good um, b- because you're already there in, at your lowest moment in life. And you face obstacles left and right, and and you you sit through days wondering when is it going to kind of go my way. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, God never gives you more than what you can handle, but certainly there are days when you thought, okay, I've handled a lot here. Yeah, <laughs> can, can, yeah. we, can we have calm waters and sunny skies for a while? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was very easy to lose hope, and how we strengthen ourselves was just getting together and helping each other during those low moments. Uh, one of my friends there said to me, you know, if you focus on g- God, everything else would find its proper place. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of the theme that we took. We we focused on prayer. Uh, we focused on fellowship, even in tough times. And we knew that God had us. He had our back. And eventually, uh, you know, things would find their proper place. Well, it's it's quite obvious talking to you that God has done a work in your life when you uh, when you talk about what he was doing there, you just light up, and uh, it's pretty neat to see yeah. what what you've experienced through hard hardship and through your own mistakes. And sometimes we feel like we're never going to recover from our own mistakes, yeah. you know. And God even uses those for His glory. Right. It's an opportunity. Um, um, 
those trials and tribulations that you go through are, are, are just an opportunity. And perhaps for me, the best thing was drifting away from God. Mm-hmm. Because today, uh, I'm a much different person. I'm a better person. Uh, I'm happier than I've ever been, despite what I've gone through. Because you can just be yourself. I could just be myself. Yeah. I accepted God, built a relationship, continue to build a relationship, and I continue to change from the inside out. Pretty cool. It's very cool. All right, David, you know, we're so glad you came by. We're going to get you next time, too. And I want to talk to you about what it's like to have to go from the inside to the outside. And I know there are very unique challenges with that. I want to hear more of uh, your story. But thanks for being brave enough to tell your story here. And I know it's going to be uh, inspirational for a lot of people just to hear again how God continues to work. Because everybody has their own darkness. Everybody has their own sorrow. Everyone has their own stuff that they're grappling through. So uh, your story is going to help a lot of people. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. And, you know, I was just thinking about as I was talking here to, to David about Psalm one nineteen seventy one. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. And that kind of just you know, goes backwards to what we're used to. It was good that I was afflicted so I could learn the statutes of God. None of us want to be afflicted. But as the psalmist looked back, he realized that he needed to go through suffering. He needed to go through trials so that he could learn more about who God was. And sometimes that's the way God works. Sometimes in the midst of those trials, in the midst of that suffering, you may feel very alone. You may wonder, what is God doing? But when you read scripture and you see verses like this, it's just a reminder that God indeed is still working. I want to thank our sponsors here uh, that make this show possible. Uh, Faith Radio has been wonderful at MyFaithRadio.com. You can see a video version of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. And Five Stone Media, by the way, is the distributor of Lifeblood Curriculum, and uh, that is amazing stuff. And if you go on their website, you can see uh, stories of a man by the name of John Turnipseed, kind of where all that started. He's an amazing person with a great testimony. And you can check us out here at Ridgewood Church, too, at myrwc.org. Thanks so much for being with us, and we'll catch you next time on Life Support. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.